Hello, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard, alongside none other than John Tesh. John, how you doing? I'm doing great. His, his microphone's not on his face. Our guest this week, while I'm waiting on him, is Michael Hyatt. He's author of the new book, Free to Focus. And you've heard me talk uh, so much on this show about, about the importance of focus. And we've done, we did, the, we did uh, digital uh, minimalism with Cal Newport. We've, we've done all kinds of things with the, uh, with the um, Evo uh, Flow Planner and how to, find, how to get into those deeper states. So this this guy, uh, this Michael Hyatt, has written. He was the CEO and chairman of uh, of Thomas Nelson. He's written a bunch of books. He is a leadership planning and goal setting guru, for lack of a better term. And uh, he's he's even invented his own planner, the oh, the, the full focus planner, which is a which is a big deal. Um, and it's all about it's all designed around his his focusing method. So we we talk all about I figured, in this interview. I figured it out. Oh, go ahead. You figured it out. Yeah. Go ahead. In this interview, we talk all about why our modern life is too distracting, why it keeps us from doing our best work, why it and and how to overcome that. When when to delegate, when to when to do something yourself, when to when to hire something out, and he helps you create this this matrix for you to be able to process what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing, and what you should delegate, what you should automate. He's got a, a, tons of great tips, really functional tips in this interview uh, on how to, how to basically get back more hours in your day. And there's that great line uh, that Iron Man says at the end of the Avengers movies, is that, uh, or during the Avengers movies, which is, there's no amount of money can ever buy you back one minute of your life. That's awesome, uh, I, but most importantly, <laughs> most importantly, while you were while you were in, on your diatribe of greatness, I must say but that's the interview today. I wouldn't yeah. call it. It's, oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah. But I've read. I, I knew I had read one of his books. I knew it, and I couldn't find it. And you were no help. I, um, I, I, I'm sorry that I don't have your Kindle <laughs> list memorized. Living forward. This, I'm telling you, man. This is well. He, first of all, he writes great books. Yeah. But living forward, a proven plan to stop drifting and get the life you want. And I've also read most of your best year ever. So this is free to focus. So now I'm excited. Now I'm actually paying attention. Good. This is cool. We finally we finally got you to pay attention to your own podcast. That's great news. <laughs> you know, this is basically. I'm just. I'm just sort of. Uh, I'm. I'm in the carriage enjoying the ride. Well, your you name's know? on the masthead there, Mister Ted. I didn't put it. I wasn't my idea <laughs> to put it there. Anyway, uh, this is going to be great because. And, and you know what's great? We, Gib and I just did a uh, and, and Connie just did a presentation for an Encompass Media, which they, this is the company that uh, that sells our, our our advertising time. And you went through with, with a power, great PowerPoint. You went through. All of the guests that you've had, and your favorite guests on there, man, oh man! I mean, you. Th- this is a college course. We've you know, had the, some. The, the we've had some you, really. It, it really is. I mean, it's like my favorite college course. We've had some really great people. I mean, including this one we have coming up with Michael Hyde that you guys are have tuned in to listen to. But we, yeah, we, whose books I've I'm reading regularly, yes, apparently. I mean, but just I've, I've gotten to talk. I've got to talk to some of my bucket list people in this uh-huh. process. I got to yeah. talk to Dom D'Agostino, who was one keto of, guy. Yeah, I got to talk to Charles Duhigg. Who who is is so insultingly my age? He is so much more accomplished and has written yeah. done so much more interesting stuff in his life. And he's he's my age. It's it's really infuriating. Cal uh, Newport, Cal Newport, Cal Newport's too. not very old. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. So like yeah. The, you know the, these guys, it's it's actually been really amazing. Um, Dacker Keltner, one of my all time favorites. Uh, Gary John Bishop, Lauren Zander. Yeah, but listen, you you have a photographic memory. So what you've done is there's 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 a there's a uh, uh, a, a, a demon, a species, or something on the on one of the Star Trek's original Star Trek's. It was it, it would it would suck all the memory out of out of everybody's brains, and uh-huh. become smarter, and 
and all that stuff. And and so that's what you're doing is you're absorbing all of this. You're so so ag- aggregately, aggregately, aggregately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, you can wordsmith that. In aggregate, yeah, in aggregate. Thank you. In aggregate, you are smarter than them all because you've got them all because they don't. They're writing books. They don't have time to read each other's books. <laughs> so okay. you so right. you have absorbed all of this. So if you want, just get, if this is your first time listening to the Most podcast. Most of the people I interview are PhDs. Yeah, I'm not smarter than they are. Yeah, but see, you could get a PhD, and this is, could be a course. It could be the Gib podcast course, and, um, and, and it might actually uh, raise my GPA. So what, what we could do. TV Radio 101 did not do that. What we could do is if you, can, if you can send us a screen grab of, having, of all of the podcasts that we've ever put out and show them as played, we will send you a certificate with the Intelligence for Life PhD. How about that? Yeah, and maybe and maybe some keto chocolates too. <laughs> yeah, how about, how about you, that? If you're willing to do all of that, if you're willing to listen to the however many hours we've done on this show, uh, you, you're welcome to. Uh, we'll make you a certificate in aggregate. It will make that in aggregate. I learned another word. Phrase. <laughs> so, uh, so listen before we get to your interview with Mike, uh, Michael Hyatt, uh, who's I've read two of his books. Um, <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you eat your Wheaties or something? What is up with your? I, you know, I just I just had the keto fish. Uh huh. Those things. Oh, those low sugar yeah, uh, yeah, candies. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. Swedish fish, but they have they're zero glycemics. They don't. I also you, I, you didn't see me do this, but I also took a nap. I oh, did. I took like a twenty minute. Power when did nap. you sneak that in? Well, I watched one. I listened to one of your podcasts and it was talking about the power of sleep. And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll yeah, I went down to grandma's room uh. and I took twenty minute nap. Hey, so I'm good on, for you. So I'm on good fire. For I'm you. Like, okay, so listen, before we get to this amazing interview. Uh, let's talk about uh, some some intelligence that we had on the radio show, Gib and I, to fire up your imagination. Yeah, experts this. experts from the University of Toronto are now saying, don't just listen to uh, your your iTunes library or your your workout uh, tape. Right, put your iTunes library on shuffle uh. or listen to the radio. And it'll spark creative thinking because it shakes up your brain's familiar patterns. Do you think you can do this? I, my my, my was what I said on the radio. My my playlist is too weird. I got too many different things. I've got like you know, I've got weird jazz. I've got like monk throat music from you because know, I I did choir and I played in bands. And then I have the okay. stuff that I listen okay. to for my work. Uh, I've got okay. weird okay. stuff across okay. the board. So I what is because yeah, people want to know what is uh, monk throat music? Yeah, like like the like. Oh my gosh, it's the scariest thing ever. If you and then somebody else comes in like. Oh my! Look at the look at the airs on my arm. See, everybody should know I'm not opening my mouth when I'm making those noises. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, like so a... like the, like chant and stuff. Like you move, chant was really big, right? Yeah, chant is a variation, oh, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, and then they put like right, yeah, they put yeah. beats underneath it. Yeah, and it was yeah. like oh, it like made Enya's sales drop like ten thousand records a minute. <laughs> it did if we wanted that <laughs> stuff. So if I did a beat, then you could do the uh, the the monk. Sure, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Do you hear that? That's the sound of people clicking off the I podcast. I promise there is usable information. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We started this thing by saying, if you listen to the podcast, you get the equivalent of a PhD. Right. And then we just did beats to monk throat music. And right. my point is, okay. my playlist is a little too eclectic, but but what I would do is I would make like a, I could make like a stream or like pick a genre and let the, and let the music be random. So I'm not going from, I can't, I can't be going across all my, all my genres. I can't go from like, Easy E right. to to Enya. Well, yeah. It's not gonna work for me. Yeah, well, they say it's 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 great for you. It's like a it's like cross training your brain. Okay, okay, one more piece before we get to uh, Mr. Hyatt. Uh, how to impress a woman you like or have just started dating, and it's it's pretty easy according to Dr. Vinta Meta. Now, Dr. Vinta Meta, M E H T A, is a therapist we've had on the show many times. Dr. Meta uh, studies relationships and says that all, all you have to do is something you're really good at. Give actually, all you have to do is just 
offer to do something handy for her. So uh, like in- installing a programmable thermostat yeah. or upgrading her wireless router, yeah. which not most people, men or women, don't know how to do that thing. It's plug and play at this point. Look, man, listen. This is primal. This is this is the same thing when 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 the when your mom would tell you that the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. This is the same basic concept. What you're showing is your ability to to take care at the most. Like what was it? Uh, Masner's hierarchy of needs. Am I? Am I? Getting oh yeah, that? I think that's what it was. Yeah. So so, so this, this is the like home and comfort element. If you can show you can cover this, it, 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 it hits the lizard brain. Even if you're not that, if you're otherwise not that attractive, you're going to spark. <laughs> so, I'm oh, telling now you. Now you've got my attention. Yeah, I'm telling you, you're going to spark something in her. As long as you're not creepy about it. As long as you don't like fix the thermostat and then like give her, give her the eye. Like, okay, so now we're married. You've got to, <laughs> you know. But, it's like but, the equivalent of buying somebody a drink, but right? the, Yeah, but this uh, is like, if you're, if you're trying to build a rapport, if there's somebody you're interested in and you're trying to build a rapport, this is one uh, of those key steps there's just there's no control in the brain over your over over whether or not you're attractive once you do something like this. It you, just takes over completely. You know what's great is that you came into this conversation normal and I dragged you over to the dark. You dragged side. me <laughs> to this weird energy that you got. I, I it's so weird. All right, do the intro. All right, here's my interview with Michael Hyatt, uh, 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 who's mentor of the Full Focus Planner and his new book, Free to Focus. And and really, honestly, this is this is this is an interview that I would want to listen to because I have problems with all the stuff he talks about. So. Michael Hyatt. Michael Hyatt, thank you so much for your time today, which I know is incredibly valuable according according to your book. So thanks for coming on with us. Yeah, thanks, Gib. Thanks for having me on. All right. So you, I, I, I got to tell you, I love this stuff. I love the the productivity hacks. I love the idea. I mean, I'm, I, uh, your new book, Free to Focus, you know, link in the show notes for anybody that wants to buy it. Uh, it's, all, it's all about, you know, achieving more by doing less. And I also... Uh, one of the big things in your book is this this idea that we do a lot of fake work, that we're always plugged in, we're right. always online, but we're not getting as much done. So I just, I absolutely love that. Um, but there's been a few books out like that, like like Four Hour Work Week. Why why did you write Free to Focus? Why do you think what 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 hole were you trying to fill? Well, well, first of all, focus today is a strategic advantage. Few people have it because of all the digital distractions. Hundred percent. You know, we're pulled in this direction, pulled in that direction. Very hard to focus, and yet. When we do focus, we get our more, most creative work done. We solve our biggest problems. We make our biggest contribution. And the other thing I think is that I keep hearing this idea touted that I call the hustle fallacy, mm-hmm. which is if you want to accomplish more, if you want to achieve more, you got to do more. Right. And I say, you know, no, not exactly. In fact, that's what leads to a lot of the fake work. We end up doing right. a lot of stuff that doesn't really drive the results, but makes us feel good because we stay busy. Right. I've seen a lot of pushback on the 10,000 hours thing lately, too. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that study is often uh, misquoted. But yeah, I think the same thing is true, too. And I think a lot of especially a lot of young people in the workplace are are being sold this thing, you know, the the work or the the, uh, hustle fallacy. And what it does is it leads to burnout or breakdown. And it doesn't really get people what they're after. Right. When they sign up for productivity to begin with, which I think is freedom. I don't just want to be productive so I could be more productive and put even more time in at work. You know, I want to be able to, you know, have a life and have my health and my most important relationships and all the rest. Yeah, and, and, it, and it makes perfect sense. So, so why, uh, yeah, so what are we supposed to do about it? Because so many people just feel, and I also would say too, that there's a corollary, which is if, you know, if you're, that if, when you see somebody who is not successful, you can argue, oh, they're just not hustling. 
they're just not hustling enough. And and that may not be true. They may be spinning their wheels for 22 hours a day, barely sleeping for two, and yet they're doing the wrong thing. So I guess what I guess the question becomes, what is the right way? How do we find that path to being the most productive? Well, this is where we have to just stop, take a deep breath, and ask ourselves, you know, why are we on the hamster wheel to begin with? Mm. And so the first chapter of the book talks about formulating your productivity vision. You know, if productivity is a means to an end, and that's my premise in the whole book, then what is the end game? And for me, it's freedom. You know, I want to be more free to to focus, to be fully present with the people I I love, to be spontaneous. and, And sometimes, like I learned from some folks in Italy, just to do nothing, just the sweetness of doing nothing. Right. So that's where it's got to start. Yeah, and I think, you know, you bring something up interesting there. Like, there is a lot of sweetness in doing nothing. And I feel like our phones in particular, but but our our lifestyle in general right now, blocks us from doing nothing. And and I've I've talked to other psychologists who have said, you know, um, who have said that, that we need to harvest our boredom. You know, and that, and that we're not doing that right now, that we're, we're not harvesting this time where we literally have no stimuli and our brains get to kind of rest and find and problem solve. We're just not giving ourselves that anymore. Um, we're really we're really just we're stimulating ourselves and fighting against boredom so much that our brains never reset. And I feel like that's that's something that we're really missing. Yeah, it's totally true. You know, in chapter three of the book, I talk about rejuvenation and the idea that you're never better as a person than when you're fully rested, well-nourished, exercised, all of that. And it's a critical component in productivity because when you're tired, when you're exhausted, very difficult to focus. Totally. Very difficult to accomplish the things that matter. And to your point, very difficult to stay engaged in a task that requires deeper problem solving. 100%. Cal Newport talks about this in his uh, book, Deep Work. Yep. But he talks we had about him on of, with his new, he has a new book, which is very similar to this called um, uh, uh, Digital, Digital Minimalism. Minimalism. Yeah, we had him yeah. on to talk about that too. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm with you on the Cal Newport kick. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, basically, I mean, that book had a profound influence on me, both those books. But he talks about this idea of frustration tolerance, right? Yeah. So the yeah. I- idea is that we've got to get comfortable with being bored. Bored, right. Boredom is underrated. Yep. And we got to stay engaged and resist the temptation to kind of bail out and go check Facebook oh. because- we're not going to really, that'll be fake work. We're not going to really accomplish the most important priorities if we do that. You know, I, um, I deleted the Facebook app from my phone because I, I was, too. because I was doing this thing where, and it doesn't mean I'm like a, I'm a, a good person. I, I'm not saying that, because, but I, I was doing this thing where in every little bit of downtime, I would just open it up and, and, and scroll and look, right. it's really fun to see what my friend's kids are up to and what my, you know, like I, I enjoy that. But at the same time, like I realized what am I doing? And I, I, I haven't done that with Instagram yet, and I really need to because I feel and the, and the reason why I haven't is you can't really check Instagram on your computer, um, right. although they're making it easier to do that now. So I really want to just delete the app because again, like I, it's not you're you're it's it's wasted mental energy every time I look through it, and it feels good and it gives me a little squirt of dopamine, but it's such it's such a waste, and I feel like. Uh, by the way, follow me on Instagram at Gib Gerard. But I feel like I am, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm taking away. I'm my life is getting sucked out through this machine. Yeah, well, you know, I did the same thing, but um, I have to end Instagram because I'm trying to build my Instagram following. <laughs> right, at Michael Hyatt. What, what do you say? Okay, so here's the thing, though. Here's the cool thing I did. So um, what I did was I, I used screen time on the iPhone. Mm-hmm. Okay, the problem is if you set it yourself, you can defeat it because it says. Ignore time limit. Yeah, and you I just do that all the time. That, I do. That. I, have a, right? I have a time limit. I said, give me fifteen more minutes, and I end up giving fifteen more minutes until I've been on it for three hours in a day. 
Okay, so check this out. So I gave it to my wife. I said, pick a passcode and don't tell it to me. Give it to my assistant in case something happens to you, but I don't want to know it. <laughs> so now I can't cheat. I only get 30 minutes and that's it. Yeah, and so you really got to use that wisely. You got to you really use that for I engaging, do. focused time. Get in and out. So is that now, so is that is that a part of the free to focused, uh, free to focused productivity system? I mean, this idea of of really limiting your time in different spaces so that you can double down and, and be as productive as possible in that sphere? Uh, it is, but that's not till chapter nine. Here's <laughs> the thing that's more important, and yeah. I get to this in chapter two. Yeah. The, the thing that's the most important is this whole framework, something I call the freedom compass. Yes. So the idea is that, think of a two by two matrix, you know, four boxes. Yep. And one axis is your passion, what you love to do, what you enjoy, what energizes you. Uh-huh. And then the things you're really good at, the things that you're so good at, people are willing to pay you to do them. Okay. So at the intersection of those two things is what I call, and this is true north on the Freedom Compass, is your desire zone. These are the things that make you feel free. These are the things that drive the results in your business and are the things that give you the most jobs at satisfaction. Right. And for most people, that's like three or four things and that's it. Due south is where there's no passion and there's no proficiency. Right. And that's different for everybody. But for me, that's like managing my, you know, processing email managing my calendar, doing expense reports. Thankfully, though, for my assistant, what's in my drudgery zone is in his desire zone. He geeks mm. out on that stuff. Right. So that's what make the, makes the world work. So once you identify what's in each of those four zones, there's two other ones, the distraction zone and the disinterest zone, then all of a sudden you basically have a model of the world so that when you get an incoming task and somebody's making a request, you can ask yourself the question first, is it in my desire zone? Does it need to go on my to-do list or on my calendar? Or can I legitimately say no to this? Right. Or at least understand that if I'm, I'm going to do it, it's going to be something that in the future I'm going to try to either eliminate, automate, or delegate and get rid of. Interesting. Yeah, and I, and I feel like, so So correct me if I'm wrong here, just, just imagining this axis in my mind. So the distraction zone would be things that we like to do, but that uh, there's no there's no monetary value associated with it, right? Like there's no nobody's willing right. to pay you. There's no proficiency, and then uh, what's the other one? The uh, disaster. The zone? disinterest zone. Disinterest. Just zone. the opposite. That's where people will pay you to do it, but you have no desire to do it. Uh, right, and so uh, like a lot of people get trapped in this. You know, they developed some proficiency at this. Right. They got good at it. Maybe it even pays the bills, but they're bored to, to tears. Death. Yes. Right. Yeah, that disinterest just, zone. I feel like that's. I feel like a lot of us live in the disinterested and oh, the dis- distracted zone. I, I meet people that are in professions where the thing that got them ignited when they got into it, they've gotten bored with, mm-hmm. and they're desperate to get out, desperate to retire. Yeah, and the and the distraction zone is really interesting because I think that's a place where we go and hide. Oh, hundred you know, percent. You know, like like for me when I was uh, starting out in this new career as a, as an entrepreneur. You know, I was a blogger and a podcaster, and I'm supposed mm-hmm. to be creating content, right? Right. But it was a whole lot more fun to tweak my website, tweak the design. And I wasn't that good at it, but it was a place I went to hide from the real work that right. drove the results in my business. Right. And I feel like I feel like we spend so much time, even if you're not in charge of your own calendar like you're talking about being, I feel like we spend a lot of time doing the things that the, the busy work because it looks like work, because right. the real work that needs to get done is so much harder and requires that little bit of boredom. Right. Like well, you, you can tweak the design without feeling bored. So you feel and you feel like you're productive. I just spend so much time doing that kind of stuff. Totally. And this is why people work 80 hours a week, 100 hours a, a week. Right. And, you know, imagine for a minute it's the Friday before you go on a one week vacation. Uh-huh. I mean, you're never more productive than you never. are on that Friday before you go never. on vacation. Totally. You don't you don't think about checking Facebook because why? 
because you're about to fly out, you're about to drive out, you know, there's a hard stop. Well, what if we did that every day and we protected our margin and had a hard stop so that we said, and this is where I think constraints lead to freedom, where we say, you know what, I'm no longer going to work evenings. I'm no longer going to work weekends. I'm telling you, that causes you to prioritize and work in a different way during the day than if you can just say, you know, I don't need to get to this right now. I think I'm going to go check Facebook. I'll just work on it tonight when I get home. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you're literally, you sound like the procrastinating monkey inside of my head. I feel like there's two (laughs) versions of me. There's the version of me when I wake up in the morning, like, this is what I'm going to do today. And then there's the procrastinating monkey who's like, yeah, but have you checked Instagram yet? You should probably do that before we hang, before you get to work. And then all of a sudden it's the end of the day and I do exactly the same thing where I go, ah, I'll just finish it tonight or ah, I'll go to the gym tomorrow. Well, uh, just, you know, to, to, to show you how this can work out in life. Last year, my business grew 62%, mm-hmm. and we're, in a, we're a multi-million, eight-figure, dollar, eight-figure business, so mm-hmm. we grew 67%, excuse me, 62%, but at the same time, I took off 160 days last year, including weekends, but that's 11 full weeks of vacation. Wow. Our coaching clients, get this, we have 320 people that we coach. Those coaching clients, their average business grew 67%, and they shaved 11 hours off their work week. Oh, okay. Get me there. How do I do it? So I understand the first thing I got to do is find that super zone where where um, right. ability and and interest coincide. Delegate the stuff in the disinterest zone. Uh, okay, I'm I'm there. And then, I'm, okay, and then and then what? Yeah. So everything that's outside of your uh, desire zone, starting with the drudgery zone, the things you hate and are not good at, are candidates for elimination, automation, and delegation. So let's right. start with elimination. So this is where we've got to flex our no muscle. And for most of us, I, I mean, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm a recovering people pleaser. I oh, hate yeah. Sex, right? So not only do I suffer from FOMO, you know, fear of missing out, mm-hmm. but I really suffer from photo, fear of disappointing others. Mm. And I also suffer from FOCO, which is fear of conflict with others. Right. And so what we have to realize that every time we say yes to somebody, we're saying no to something else. So for example, if uh, you came into town, I live in Nashville, if you, you know, flew in and said, hey, let's have coffee then that's my Let's workout that. time in the morning. Let's do that though. I want to have coffee. Let's do that. Absolutely. But not <laughs> but going. not at 7 a.m. in the morning because that's when I work out. Right. So if I say yes to you, I'm going to say no to my my workout. Right. So the secret to elimination is to get very clear on the bigger yes that's behind the no. Mm-hmm. Right? So then I've got the courage to be able to say no in the moment because I'm thinking about the bigger yes that I'm saying yes to. Plus, there's some really cool ways to say no that um, that make it a lot less painful for the person you're saying no to. Okay. And I break this out in this three-part formula in this chapter where I talk about this yes-no, yes formula that I learned from Dr. William Uri. So, for example, I get asked a lot because I used to be in the book publishing business. People ask me, could you review my book proposal? Yeah. And so in the old days, I mean, I, I love doing that, but I don't have time anymore. So what I say is I start with a yes by affirming the other person. You know, I say, hey, congratulations. You've done what most aspiring authors never do. You've written a book proposal. Good for you. Okay, mm-hmm. now I transition to the no. And I want to give a unequivocal, unambiguous no. Right. And here's how I say it. Do, or in order to keep my other commitments, I'm sorry, but I have to say no. Okay, so I haven't say, said, check back me in a week, I'm really busy. Or, you know, maybe in a few weeks, because I just, you know, we just had to go back through the whole same, same thing again. So I give an unequivocal no, but I explain right. it in the context of me keeping my other commitments. Which, I mean, they, which they have to respect. 
they have to respect, right? So then I end with a yes. So then I'll say, hey, you know, good luck with your book proposal. I can't wait to see it come to market. You know, let me know when it's out or something like that. That's a yes, no, yes. And, and Gib, I can't tell you how many people have written back to me and have said, look, I'm disappointed, but thank you so much for getting back to me. Right. Because so often when we want to say no, we, we let just, that we thing just avoid it. In we our just inbox. avoid it. Yes. Yeah, I know. And that, that makes people not only disappointed, but angry. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, I feel like I feel like that's that's a habit built into being connected all the time. Right. Because there was a time when when you couldn't email uh, someone like like yourself, you couldn't email somebody who could read your you would have to go through their assistant and the assistant would just run interference for you. Right. right. And I feel like that's with with the personal digital assistant, uh, you know, which is what our smartphones, uh, that was the ancestor of our smartphones. That's when they broke off from the evolutionary tree into their own thing was the PDA, the personal digital assistant. So so with that, we're just people get directly to people so much more easily and our contact information is all online. So we we end up getting a lot more of those requests directly than you would have had you been the, the had you been a publishing executive, you know, 30 years earlier than you were, you your assistant would block all that stuff for you and would, you know, would would help streamline it for you. So I, it's it's I feel like a a weird corollary of the digital yeah. world that we live in is that you you get that stuff and we don't know how to say no. You're absolutely right. And we just end up sitting there with it languishing in a in a sort of nebulous maybe. It's like Schrodinger's email. If I don't I check it, it's I didn't say yes, I didn't say no, and I didn't offend, you know, and it and it, it really is the unhealthiest form of communication. It's well, this and this really leads naturally into automation. Right. Because one of the things I figured out, like with email, and that's you know, everybody hates email, right? But one of the things I figured out number of years ago is that there's kind of a finite number of requests that I get. You know, people want me to serve on a nonprofit board or want me to review a book proposal or want me to come uh -huh. speak or whatever. And I said, you know, if I'm going to respond to this, why don't I respond in such a way that it's really a good response that I'm proud of and then save it as a template. Yeah. So next time I get that request, then I can respond. Now, yeah. here's the cool thing. First of all, there's applications out there like Spark, Spark Email, which runs on Mac. I'm not sure if it runs on Windows. I use Airmail, which runs on a, on on iPhone and and and. Uh, okay, cool. I love it. Well, I don't I don't know if Airmail has this, but Spark has email templates built. Hundred percent does. Hundred percent does. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, so even if your even if your app doesn't, you can use email signatures. It doesn't just have to be your name and address. Right. It could be an entire you know boilerplate uh, email that you would send out in response to that. Now I personalize it. But that, that will take me maybe, you know, instead of taking a minute or two minutes to respond to an email, I can pull down a, a template as a starting point mm -hmm. and get it done in, you know, 10 or 12 seconds. Right. 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 You just fill in the name. You write a sentence or two that personalizes it, it and everything else stays the same. That's it. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. No, that's a genius way of automating that process. Okay. So we find stuff. We, we really start to to trim our, our daily tasks away from the non-productive, non-passionate, non-proficient zone, right? Like That's we, want, right. we want to be passionate and proficient. So we're trying to put as many of our daily tasks into that quadrant as we possibly can. And one of the ways you're talking about for, is, is elimination. You start saying no to things. The second thing is you can use automation even in your elimination. Uh, keep going. Yeah. And so that leads us to delegation. I mean, the first question is, does the task need to be done by anybody? And then if the right. answer to that is no, say no. Right. Second question is, okay, then could I, if it has to be done, could I automate it? Because I don't want to deploy a human, especially right, me, right. if I could automate it. Now, yeah. I do talk about- I was a lifeguard. I was a lifeguard. And one of the, the reach, throw, row, go are the, is the way that you think about like how, how to get somebody out of the water. So reach is if you can reach them. Throw is if, you, if they're in range, you can throw them a life vest. 
um, or life raft. And then uh, I like that. row is row. you can get in a boat and go out there because, you know, the most dangerous thing you can do as a lifeguard is physically swim up to somebody who's drowning because they'll they'll take you with them. Oh, no doubt. So you kind of, it's a very similar, del- I, when you said that, like you don't, you the last step is sending a human. That's the least likely thing that you want, the most dangerous thing you could possibly do, but keep going. Absolutely. So then the question is, if it has to be done by a human, does it have to be done by you as a human? Mm-hmm. And this is where delegation can be so, so powerful. Now, I get that not everybody has somebody they can delegate to. And I talk about that in the book, too, because even if you don't have somebody that reports to you or is accountable to you, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you have to say yes. There may be somebody else in your firm or your company that's not only better equipped, but would actually enjoy doing it. Right. It's in their desire zone. Right, right. And they'd be willing to take it on. But in terms of delegation, this is like, you know, I, I coach a lot of business owners and senior executives and everybody knows they need to delegate. Everybody sucks at it. Right. So, well, because a lot of businesses gotta... start uh, as a, as a solo entrepreneur, right? Like a lot of people start with their, with the garage right. thing. There's, we, we've lionized this, this idea, but it, you know, if you, even if you look at the best businesses, usually there's two people involved and one guy get, one guy's really good at like, like Apple, for example, you go, everybody talks about Steve Jobs, but it was Steve Wozniak who liked doing all the stuff. That's right. And Steve Jobs who liked doing all the sales and marketing and you put them together and they were fireworks. Neither could do what the other could do. Well, that's the key of delegation because what you hear a lot of people say when they don't delegate is they say, you look, if I want it done right, I've got to do it what? Myself. Myself. Yeah. Right? Well, let me tell you something. You get people that you hire and deploy them in their desire zone. Not only can they do it as well as you can, they can do it better than you could imagine it being done. And right. I've got an entire company full right. of those those people because of how we've positioned them. Mm-hmm. Another, another common um, And that'll start objection. to inform your hiring decisions if you're an entrepreneur. Right? Totally. Like, because because what they always say is hire your weaknesses. Um, all the best entrepreneur coaches say, say that. And this, if you have this paradigm, you're sort of forcing yourself in your own personal time management to hire your weaknesses. Well, you are. And unfortunately, we, t- we tend to hire people that are like us. In fact, mm-hmm. I had a coaching client last week who said, you know what? I got, I got an entire uh, uh, company of people that are just like me. I really like them. I enjoy spending time with them. But we're not very good as a company. We don't right. execute because there's no complementary right. kind of skills. So, you know, the other thing people say before they delegate is they say, you know, it takes longer to explain to somebody how to do it. I might as well just do it myself. Mm-hmm. Well, it does take longer the first time. Right. But once you explain it and set somebody loose where they're on autopilot, now you've just bought back your time. Right. And so delegation in that sense is the very best way to buy back your time and to get more time. In fact, it's the only way to get more time. And mm-hmm. then just one final thing on, on, on delegation. I, I hear a lot of people say, well, I can't afford to hire somebody. Well, look, here's the thing. If you can bill out at $50 an hour, if you're a business owner or a solopreneur, mm-hmm. and you can hire somebody for $20 an hour to do the stuff that's consuming your billable hours, mm-hmm. you'd be $30 ahead per hour to hire somebody so that you can focus on the stuff that generates the income for your business. Interesting. I mean, it's a great, it's a great way to look at it. I mean, you know, you know, is that is that idea of, of uh, how you value your personal time and how you value your time as a like you said a solopreneur, where you um, where you just you 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 just look at sort of exactly the dollars and cents of it right like you just right. said, this the idea of, of that's that's incredible okay so we 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 start to shave things to get into that zone and we're starting to get something that that looks like that what's the next step well the next step once that's that was kind of the second part of the book the third part of the book act is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk about uh, consolidate. And this is basically creating an ideal week 
And the thought exercise is if you had 100% control of your time and 100% control of your attention, how would you like to spend your time the most efficient way? So for example, for me, Monday is dedicated to all internal meetings. I like to batch those. Mm -hmm. And then on Friday, I do all external meetings and I like to batch those. That leaves me with Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, typically, where I can do, I call them in the book, front stage activities, the activities that I get paid for, the things that really drive the results. Those meetings are necessary, but if I scatter those throughout the week without any real clear design, then what happens is I end up totally distracted and very inefficient. Mm -hmm. So designing your ideal week is a way of getting around that. Yeah, and that's, I mean, the, the idea of batching too is so good for our brains because yes. we're not really good at switching gears. Like we think we think we that's are, right. and, the, and the phones kind of make us believe that we are, but they really have shown over and over again that we are not good at changing gears, that when we are hyper-focused on one thing, we get into a state of flow, and when we get into the state of flow, we are so much more productive than we are in other ways. So true. And I even advocated the book a concept called mega-batching, where you, just, where you uh, have entire days uh, just dedicated to one thing. Like, I, I have a podcast, right. too, and we typically do 13 episodes in a day and a half. Wow. And so then I don't have to think about it for another quarter because it's a weekly podcast. Right. Great way to do That's work. a great way to do it. I mean, maybe I need to change some things about it. That's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a great way to do it. Okay. All right. Well, um, you know I, know, I know that your time is valuable, literally and figuratively, as, as, we've, as we've gone through just now. So um, I do 100% I do buy into this idea that our hyper distraction is, is kind of killing us. And I do love this idea of using the quadrant system to figure that out and then and then the idea of elimination automation and delegation and then whatever's left over should be in that zone um i just i i, I love that and i'm going to start using it do you have any tools that you like to use like a notebook or anything that you use to to a yeah. specific kind for this yeah so we designed something called the full focus planner people oh, can really? find it yeah they can find out more at uh, fullfocusstore.com okay but it's specifically designed to implement this system and we sell wow. it on a subscription basis but i'm going to tell you i i'm all digital except that i manage my day with a analog planner and i can't can't tell you we've got about 200,000 people on that system and it's dramatically changed everything about how they work Oh my gosh, I, I don't disagree at all. I am I am no Luddite. I would rather have everything I can on my phone. I don't even read books in physical I hardly read books in physical form anymore. Um but but I I I have I carry with me I have a fountain pen and a and a paper planner and there's something about putting something ink, about it. ink to paper and writing it out and looking at it in physical form that just feels so much healthier and feels so much more rigid and it helps me really see my day in a better way. I'm with you hundred percent on that. Well, there's a lot of science behind this too, but yeah, absolutely, really uh, works. Yeah, we, we've talked we've talked about that. There's something about when you, even if you were taking notes in a class, instead of typing it, you should be you should be writing it out. Uh, I am going to let you go. I'm going to ask you two final questions. One is, uh, how can people get a hold of you? Yeah, the best way is to check me out at michaelhyatt.com. But for the book, and we've got some bonuses that go with the book. All the people people can buy it wherever they you know better books are sold, and then submit their receipt. We got some bonuses, but that's all at uh, freetofocusbook.com. Okay, so links to michaelhyatt.com and freetofocusbook.com uh, in the show notes, as well as links to all of your social media, Michael. And one final thing that I ask every single person that's been on the show, what is one habit that people can start doing tomorrow or today that will help them improve their lives? This is huge. We have that. We teach this in the, in the Full Focus Planner, but identify your three most important tasks for tomorrow. Before the day ends, identify oh, them for yeah. tomorrow. You can do other tasks, but design a game that you can win 
and identified the three most important tasks and considered a big win when you get those done. Amen. Okay. Thank you guys so thank you, Michael, so much for your time. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we appreciate you, Michael. Thanks, Gib. All right, so now it's going to be three books of Michael Hyatt. I'm so proud of reading his. You should be so. But what's so terrible proud. is that what's terrible is that I didn't, I, I did, I couldn't remember which what the names of, of, That's of the not books so were. Terrible. But I really do. This is just another another uh, feather in your podcast cap because yeah. it's not an easy interview to get. So nice it, job. It was a great time. Uh, really enjoyed it. And by the way, you know we were, we did this presentation this morning that John referenced before the interview to these uh, to these, these ad reps people and. We mentioned like 40 books in the conversation, and I said, we realized we have to do our own book club with, oh, these, yeah, guys, yeah, with yeah. these guys and, and with some of the other books. Hey, that we quick read. shout out to Hiram Lazar, uh, who, who works with us at Compass, yes. who, who listens CFO. to all the podcasts. Hey, Hiram. How's it CFO? going? Yeah. Hi, Hiram. That's it for our show today. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you would like to follow up with us, we spend a lot of time at facebook.com slash John Tesh. We go live there. We post videos, memes, all kinds of stuff. Try to respond to every comment. Uh, if you would like to follow up more with John, he is on Instagram and Twitter at John Tesh underscore IFOL and Instagram at John Tesh on Twitter. I am Gib Gerard. You can find me at Facebook.com slash Gib Gerard at Gib Gerard on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I try to respond to every single comment or DM or whatever you guys want to send and any recommendations for, for guests or what have you, because that's really how we grow this thing and any questions you have. So most importantly, guys, thank you so much for listening.